are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts, which you can find in the description below. To learn more about The Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Good days. Welcome to the Good Days Podcast with Eddie and Charlie. And we just had Derek Idle on our show, and he shared some, Charlie shared some incredible research so that good. he did through his yeah. doctoral work that kind of pops the bubble that the that students are leaving the church by groves, uh, by droves, I'm sorry. And it's just amazing to hear that, actually, if we have this uh, uh, youth ministry that's investing in students, and we are biblical and Christ-centric, and lives are being transformed, they actually stay involved in the church at 98% or greater. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. So we got Derek back, which is, we're really happy to do a part two to this. Charlie, once you kind of introduce the topic of what we want Derek to share next on our podcast. Well, first, Derek, bro, good friend for a long time. So yeah, what's man. great about this long podcast is, is we're talking about a, a dear friend in youth ministry. Yeah over a, a long period of time. And so this is a little bit of a reunion. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, it's it's nice catching up. And uh, you just drop some serious truth bombs that I can't imagine the people listening to it. Because our audience is people committed to youth ministry, mm-hmm. and the vast majority of them are on their own. And they're only hearing the yep. negative. Yep. So you're helping bring... Yeah truth that that is and actually hope, and hope for the church yes, because if we invest deeply it's there's great hope. forward thinking that jesus christ is not even finished in fact he's doing something amazing and we're talking about research uh you had sent me years ago brandon shields research on what yeah. you did and i knew what you were doing with your doctoral work there's something that that people have talked about for years called the, the generational swing where the first generation person who accepts Jesus Christ has its passion and desire for God and and it is what your research is showing that they they are committed but then the second generation is when that group has kids and they don't own it for themselves they kind of adopt their parents faith and they're committed and and they go to church and their attendance is okay but then it's that third generation where they're adopting their parents nominal faith it's not very passion driven it's not super personal and they become kind of hypocritical they're mm-hmm. they're they're very nominal in their attendance and it's 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 this negative expression of the gospel and their children the fourth generation want nothing to do with the church because they've seen the hypocrisy of their parents they they know grandma and grandpa and they never met great grandpa and grandma who were passionately on fire yeah and so now they're living this life where i don't want anything to do with it and that generation is experiencing jesus christ in a way that your research is showing and talking about in incredible fashions we're seeing camps all across the country right now having incredible experiences at the altar students coming and getting saved rededicating their lives 
the passion to pursue Jesus Christ, like this wave yeah. where that fourth generation who didn't want anything to do with it are discovering for themselves that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you dig into that based on what you've done in your research, talking about what we're seeing in youth ministry right now, and then how that kind of will translate to how the church has to respond to this wave of students, this these middle school, high school students, how are we going to develop and train them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear to me, you know, and I, I'm not just a professor at Liberty, you know, I'm also a student pastor as well at a church and, you know, uh, with a team and, and you know, so I get to, I, I'm still in the trenches and That's love good. being in the trenches. I love and that. I, I think that matters as well for what I do in the classroom. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, staying fresh with that, but there is... Um, there is a hunger that is with this generation and a receptivity with this generation, uh, man, that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And that's not just optimism, just speaking out. That, that's also just, just reality of what I'm seeing. I mean, the yeah. camp I was at two weeks ago, you know, NTS this week, I mean, night one was where it's usually at on night three. I mean, it's just incredible seeing how God is working and what God is doing. And I imagine most of you that are in ministry right now that are listening to this, you're seeing that with your students as well in some measure. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's exciting and it's incredible times, I believe. And, that, and that's why what you do matters as a student ministry leader. These students are living in what I believe are the, I believe the eight most important years of their life. And I do a whole lecture on this in one of my classes are 14 to 22 years old. You know, your morals, your values, your worldview, your career path, the type of person you're going to marry, the the friendships you're going to have for life, all and, it's all and being more shaped things. and formed. All of that is formed in there. So for me, there is almost no better place like that I can think of for us to invest our life in and invest our resources and invest our ministry energy in into that generation. Mm-hmm. But with that hunger and with that response comes a responsibility that the church is either going to step up into that responsibility, mm-hmm. or they're going to lag behind. And, um, you know, and I, I hope that we step up and yeah. keep stepping up. Yeah, I think what, what the words I, I'm hearing us talk about and what I really want to resonate on a little bit that resonates with my soul right now is is that there's this hunger and thirst mm-hmm. for spiritual things. And, and even the nominal folks who are dabbling into religious kinds of things— there certainly is a hunger and thirst for something outside of themselves, something spiritual. We know the answer is Jesus Christ, and we need to be able to, our churches, like you're talking about, stepping up and investing in their youth ministries to be able to reach their communities and reach their high schools and their middle schools for Christ, because there's a hunger there like we've never seen in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. And they're hungry for more. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hungry a for more. A deeper level of commitment than what we have been challenging them to previously. A hundred percent. I would even go as far as to say they're hungry for more depth in our teaching. They're hungry for more depth. Uh, I mean, you know, I taught last night, and I opened the Bible, and I taught from the Bible, and then I shared one quick story about my own personal life and testimony, and then I went on an eight-minute breaking down the gospel so that they could clearly understand it. I've been, uh, I was teaching a couple weeks ago, and um, the, the student pastor said, man, like, everything is so biblically and theologically rich, and I think I'm shifting more in my teaching 
in that direction because I'm seeing a hunger from our first students in that. This whole like you need to define terms. You need to communicate to them like in a way understanding where they're at. But let me tell you something. They don't need 15-minute sermonettes. They need to be challenged. They need to be challenged with that. God's Word. And and not only can they handle it, but they want it. Mm-hmm. And when you know student pastors are like, oh, you preach like that, you do that, so that's going to run kids off, that's not going to reach kids. Okay, well, our student ministry in the last year and a half has grown by over 300 students. Um, we've baptized about 35 students in the last three months. It ain't running them off. No. And, uh, and I'm not saying that like pat on the back and that type of stuff. I'm saying that as yeah. an encouragement. I'm saying that, you know. Give um, them more. Go and deep I, with and them. I, and challenge and them. And let me say this, too, because I'm all about fun. I'm all about students and all this type of stuff. I probably haven't done a game. And I've probably done less than 10 games in high school ministry in probably the last eight years of ministry. I don't do games in my service. We do worship, we do teaching, and we get after it. And let me tell you something, man. Like, they respond to it. Like, it's like it's crazy. And, you know, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to change your philosophy and your thinking and all that type of stuff on there. I'm just telling you in my journey, this is where I'm at. Where I'm at is, is that um, I'm seeing a move of God happen right now, even in the own pers- my own personal student ministry that, that I'm a part of and leading right now that is blowing my mind. It's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. And I'm telling you, it is not because we're becoming more soft on the Word of God or theology or the Bible or those type of things. I mean, it's it's just not. I, they are hungry, man. Yeah. They are hungry. And, and in fact, okay, research tells us that those churches who do go soft yeah. on the Word of God, in other words, they neglect the Word of God, they're not preaching the Word of God, those are the churches that are, are diminishing. That's Those right. are the denominations that are actually uh, decreasing in attendance. That's right. People want us to preach the Word of God, and students are hungry for that knowledge, not just knowledge of Jesus, but also to experience Him in a very real, tangible way. Yeah, they are. And I'm, again, I'm not knocking games. I'm not knocking things that sure. youth ministries do. Oh. You know, in our middle school ministry, we do we do more. We do a game, you know, probably twice a month in our middle school ministry during our services or whatever. You know, I think there's age-appropriate stuff there, you know, related to that middle school and fun and all that type of stuff. But I think kind of the 90s, early 2000s, let's play a game every week in our student ministry, and you're spending tons of your hours trying to figure out. Like, I'm just saying it's not necessary, and I'm saying we don't need to sacrifice pushing our students in their faith and pushing them deeper, you know, at the expense of— um, you know, things like that, right? You know what I mean? Yes. So anyways, I think it's important, man. Like, challenge them. They're hungry. All right, so here's a little next level that I've seen on what you're doing in your research, and it goes back to what's next. We talk about students who are receiving something uh, that they don't even know how to really understand maybe when they're younger, and it might be their calling, and they're yeah. trying to figure out what does God want me to do, and I might even be called to to preach, to lead worship, whatever the case may be. And so there's a lot of challenges along the way that's happening in our schools, our universities, and our churches. And Doc and I have experienced the same thing that you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment. What are well, some of the barriers for people who say, I want, I want to dig deeper and study what it means to, to be in, in ministry as the context of Everyone is called to be a witness. We get that. Right. 
all people who know Jesus, you're called as a witness. Yeah. Some are called to equip the saints. Yeah. And there's a bunch who are feeling that call that I want to be a youth pastor. Mm. I want to be a worship That's leader. Right. And what are some of the roadblocks that you're seeing? Well, the first thing I would say is this. If you're a student ministry leader and you're listening to this, and I was to ask you this question, so I just want you to pretend that I'm asking this question right now. What is your strategic, intentional plan that you do, that you have in place for kids that are called into ministry or to foster kids that are called into ministry? And so I can tell you what that looks like for me. I'm not confused by it. Mm -hmm. i got a two-year plan that I take students through that have expressed a call into ministry, all right? It starts with a one-hour meeting with me to walk through and make sure that, like, this is, like, a legitimate understand call to ministry, and I explain some of the things around call to ministry and stuff like that to them. But I'm intentional in that at least once a semester in my student ministry, I'm giving as a part of the invitation an opportunity for students to get mm-hmm. called to ministry. Mm-hmm. If you're waiting for the, that invitation to happen at camp or whatever, the con- conference or whatever, every four years or whatever— like you're missing the opportunity. And not only should you do it from the stage, but you should be recognizing students in your ministry who you see those ministry things in them, that heart for the mm-hmm. Lord, that connection with people, that leadership, and pull them aside and say, hey, if, hey, man, I think you should pray about and call them out and call them up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's a big deal. That's great. I think it's a huge deal that you have a plan. Those one-on-one personal conversations. Yeah, man. Calling that out in them. A hundred percent. Those gifts that you see in their life. A hundred percent. I was, and I I mean, you know, know, not to get weird about it, but I mean, like, God speaks to me at times, prompts my spirit on things or whatever, and that shouldn't be weird, but you know how it is sometimes in our culture of having those conversations. I'm literally about, uh, it's probably been about three months ago, I'm, we did this sermon series that we're in, and it was a pretty deeper sermon series that we were doing, and we did this thing where we said, hey, if you want to stay after, like in the worship center when the service is over, you know, Pastor Derek, Pastor Cody, the high school pastor, they're going to stay in here, and they'll answer Q&A for 30 to 45 minutes on any questions you have. This is after student ministry is over. Most of them are high school students. They can drive anyway type of thing, right? So students are in the room, and there's like 20 or 30 of them. And this guy raised his hand. He asked, his, he asked me a question, and the Lord was like, that guy's called into ministry. Like he told, like I'm telling you, yeah. prompted that to me in my right. spirit like in that moment. And the question had nothing to do with that. And I said, before I answer your question, are you called into ministry? This bro starts breaking down crying. And he goes, man, last couple of weeks I've been wrestling with a thought that, hey, God, are you calling me into ministry? Would you show me? And I'm like, what if I'd ignored that prompt? I'm not saying that that guy's call to ministry is contingent upon my making that statement. Does that make sure, sense? 100%. But you're there as a leader to guide these students in their life, you know what I mean? And and thinking through that and praying through that, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, going back to that that whole idea, man, I think that it's important that um, that when students express a call to ministry, that we are helping them walk through what that call looks like, and we're encouraging them in that call. Whenever I expressed a call to ministry— when I was 17 years old, it seemed like every person in my life was trying to talk me out of it. My parents tried to talk me out of it. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to this. You're not going to that. My pastor was talk, trying to talk me out of it, which I hear a lot of pastors say this. And to be fair, I've said this before, too. And they'll say things like, if you could see yourself doing anything else, you should not do ministry. You should do something else. The truth is, I could see myself doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I could see myself being a lawyer. I could see myself I could see myself doing real estate 
I can see myself doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But what has God called me to do? Yes. Does that make sense? That's what is right. He, I, you can, might can see yourself doing 15 things, but if God's told you to do something else, you don't do those 15 things. It's just simple as that. I know. He I can tells see myself being in the NBA, but That's God right. called me to ministry. So, <laughs> you know, I forsake the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're, you're the did. only you're one that you're saw being, that. You're living in disobedience right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never you're forget this, and it's a part of my part of my story. I, uh, I, uh, I go to college. And I was studying exercise science and youth ministry because I knew God had called me to youth ministry. But my parents and people had taught me into, you need to have a fallback plan. What yeah. if this doesn't work or so whatever? So you did that to pacify your parents. Exactly. I'm halfway through my freshman year, my first semester, and my RA on my dorm, who's a senior pastor now, he was a senior at the time, he pulls me aside and he says, idol, man, what is it you're, what is it you're studying again? I said, well, I'm, I'm studying youth ministry and exercise science. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, that's a weird combination. Why are you doing that? And I said, well, you know, God's called me to youth ministry, but I'm doing this exercise science thing. So I can maybe do physical therapy or something like that. I'm interested, you know, I like athletics and all that type of stuff. So I might do something like that as like a fallback plan. And this guy looked me dead in the eye and he says, Derek, did God call you to ministry? And I said, yeah. And he says, why in the world would you think you would need a fallback plan? <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> that's an awesome oh, RA right there, bro. I was like, he just man. spoke truth into your he life. He did, dude. It's impacted me deeply. And uh, he said, man, you're a new Christian, which I was. You don't know the Bible. So I ended up changing my my major to double majoring in youth ministry and biblical studies so I could learn the Bible, you know. But anyways, that experience was important for me. But it's amazing to me, being a professor at a mm-hmm. Christian university like you guys are, it's incredible to me the amount of students that come into Liberty and I'm sure come into here who have a ministry calling and their parents, their pastor, somebody's talked them out of it. And let me tell you something. If you're a parent and you are talking your kids out of doing what God is telling them to do, shame on you and you are living in sin for doing that, right? Like you are putting yourself above God's authority in that kid's life. And that is, that's a dangerous place to be. And I, I you know, and so I'm, I'm really passionate about just this whole conversation because I think it's important. I'll tell you another thing that I'm seeing, and this is a this is a cool data point that I'll point out to you, not from my research, but from other research. There was a study that was done about five years ago, and this study shows that only 24% of people actually go into the career field in which they get their college degree, 24%. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. nearly, nearly three-fourths of them, or three-fourths of them, do not go into the career field mm-hmm. where they get their college degree. And I find this to be true with high school students and with with young college students. What happened is they go in, their parents are giving them all types of advice. People are going to do what's going to make you happy for the rest of your life. You know, all this worldly advice, which, you know, doesn't have any biblical backing to it. And uh, and, and so they pick something. Maybe you've you've wanted to be a teacher since you were a kid. I see these things in here. I'm not saying those things are bad conversations Mm -hmm. or leadership conversations. But let me tell you how I lead those conversations, and here's how I lead my ministry, and here's how I lead the students at, at Liberty, and here's how I lead these students. I say this. I say, I tell my students, my freshman students, when they come to Liberty, I say, I want, I want you to think about this question for a minute. The, a big decision you have in your life is the career you're going to go, the path you're going to go down, all mm-hmm. this type of stuff. How much time have you spent praying and asking mm-hmm. God? Exactly. What does he want you to do with your life? And it might not be ministry, and it might be ministry, but what is God telling you to do in your life? I got students that will come in, and they're visiting Liberty, and they're like, you know, and I meet with them, and, you know, and they're like, oh, we love the campus, and we love this, and they're telling me all this stuff about it, you know. And, and I say, let me ask you a question. Have you prayed and fasted and asked God if you should come to Liberty? And they look at me like, well, well no. That, I mean, That's an odd thing to do. And I say, listen, <laughs> you're a believer in Jesus, right? And they say yes. And I say, before you make yes. a decision— about going to a college 
well, you're going to spend this kind of money. You're going to go, th- you know what I mean? It's going to shape so many things in your life. This you might want to pray about This it. is not recruiting tactic 101, right? This. You know what I'm saying? Like this, you know, like, of course you want to get them in for recruitment, but I don't care about that. What I care about is this student knows that it is important that they seek the Lord on what they do with their future and yes. that God is guiding and, and them. And that becomes a routine in their life. No doubt. It's not just a college decision now. It's not just a career decision now, but every decision going forward in their life. Every mm-hmm. major decision in my life is preceded by a season of fasting and prayer. I don't make a major decision without it. But how are we teaching our students that? How are, yeah. And I'm talking about high school students. Mm-hmm. How are we teaching our college students that, right? And um, so... That's good. Yeah. We, we get the same thing, too. I, I don't know how many meetings we've had with parents and their, their kids. And they come here for a visit day or whatever, and we sit down with them, and we start hearing the stories, and the stories are very similar in that, a, a, you know, a kid, a student feels called to ministry. Mom or dad wants to make sure they double major. Yeah. Right? right, business and youth ministry, right, right, or extra like exercise science yeah. and biblical studies, and they, they want this combo thing. And I, I kid you not, how many times I've heard, well, we want we want to make sure we have a fallback fa- fallback plan yeah. because we all know, ha, 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 you're not going to make any money in ministry. Yep, you know, Derek, is, is which is also going, a lie. It's uh, completely a fallacy. Well, that's that's part of the next question, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going through the questions that we had prepped. And we need about another three hours on this podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but we, So we're getting to the point where this is kind of like the big question coming to the end of this one, and it's going to take some time to unfold. But let's talk about the church. Uh-huh. So what is happening in a local church that you see that is a negative trend that needs to change? And now this is the biggest softball ever based on our conversations, even late into the night. When you got on campus on Sunday— yeah, I mean, we stayed up until about one or two a.m. Mm-hmm. after you preached. I mean, just eating some food and talking about this late into the night. Mm-hmm. What's happening with the role of youth pastor in the local church? That is a negative trend that needs to change. And how can the local church pastors rethink the role of youth pastor? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, in being such a critical part of people's lives. You know, and also this when they're the most receptive to the gospel. We're seeing this movement. We see that the value it has in their life, maintaining their faith as an adult, is tremendous. Nothing else in the literature compares to it. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that needs to happen is the church needs to value youth ministry. They need to hire mm-hmm. for it. They need to resource for it. And I'm, I'll say this on this podcast, and I realize there's people from all different backgrounds on this podcast. And so, again, I'm not diminishing you or your role by saying what I'm about to say, and I feel like I need to put that disclaimer on it. When a church reaches out to me and says, we're hiring a part-time youth pastor, do you know anybody? I say back to them, no. But if you got a full-time position open, I got somebody. And I say, and your church needs to reconsider. Wow. And I tell them that every time. And I tell my students, I will never recommend you for a part-time position at a church unless God has called you to that. And the reason is because you take a college student who's coming out of college with, you know, 
whatever debt they have because they went to a Christian college to get ministry training, and then they go get plugged into a part-time position, which oftentimes they dangle a carrot. Well, it's going to be part-time for like the first year, and then we're going to make it like three quarters after the first year, and then our hope would be that in for, and then they get four years into it and nothing's changed. Well, you know, budgeting and this and this and this, and I know that's real for some of you listening to this because that's real to me. That stuff's happened to me. I've had the dangle the carrot dangled in front of me on different things before too. If it's not in writing up front, I don't consider it. Uh, I don't consider it in 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 that. But I would say, so so I think that's a deal. Here's the thing: there's a major supply and demand problem right now in the church, mm-hmm. and that I major agree. supply and demand problem is uh, perpetuated by a few things. One, we don't talk about calling a ministry enough in our churches mm-hmm. anymore, like mm-hmm. we used to. Right? One reason is because our church people don't come to church as much as they used to. Back when you guys were growing up, and when I was growing up, church was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every week. That's when it was open. That's when people came if you went to church. Now it is we try to do these one-stop shop youth ministries where it's worship, teaching, and the small groups all on the same night. Preach. Which, by the way, and you can email me and we can have a conversation about it, I think one-stop shop youth ministry is the most detrimental way to disciple kids. I think it is the weakest way to disciple kids. And it is also the most common way that youth ministry is done in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 90%, I don't, that's not a real statistic, but it's probably that 9 out of 10 churches do it that way. And uh, but It's not enough. It's, it's not, not enough, enough time. No. It's not enough. So what happens is, you know, we're, we're, we're not seeing the students called into ministry. There's a massive population of boomers that are retiring right now from ministry in there. And, and a lot of these p- people are kind of getting called up, if you will, in their churches to different positions to try to fill these roles. We have all these churches that can't find senior pastors, all these churches that can't find youth pastors, and people are going, where are all the youth pastors at? Where are all the youth pastors at? Well, one, you haven't valued youth ministry in the last 10 to 15 years. You bought into this lie that people are leaving the church. Every time a student pastor shows any promise in your denomination, you go and try to talk them into planning a church, even though God hasn't called them to plan a church. Exactly. And they see it as, well, I can make more money if I plant the church. I'm entrepreneurial. At least I can be the boss and kind of make the rules. And so they go plant a church. Yep. And then the plant, the church plan doesn't work because God never called you to that. But you convinced yourself that God did. Uh, so that you, you know what I mean? And it feels good when you're 25 years old and you're gifted and a denomination comes to you and says, go plant a church. And again, I'm not throwing stones at church planting. We need more church plants. I'm throwing stones at the idea that, you know, this, we've created this as a church and it's created a supply and demand problem. But let me tell you what the supply and demand problem is created now. Now I have, my inbox is full five to 10 churches a week who Mm -hmm. are emailing me going, I can't find a youth pastor. I can't find a youth pastor. I can't find a youth pastor. My students now at Liberty, they are out of college. My average student last year started making, started out, their starting salary is 55 a year out of college. Uh, I had two students right out of college starting at 70,000 a year. Not in Manhattan, not in, not in San Diego, not whatever. And, and here's what happens. What has happened is because of the supply and demand problem, churches that are paying $25,000, dollars $35,000 a year, they're just getting overlooked so all these pastors are going, we can't find anybody, we can't find anybody, we can't find anybody. Yeah, because you're getting overlooked. It's because when this guy's got, or this girl's got 10 positions in front of them right now, and five of them play, pay 45, 50, 55 in that range, and five of them pay 30 to 35, and you know, we can, talk, we can make it as spiritual as you want, it, want to. I've taken mm-hmm. a $20,000 cut to go from one church to another. I never make decisions about money in places I go. I want to go where God's called me, but I also have a responsibility to feed my family, and I can do ministry anywhere. You know what I mean? And so I think it's important that we... It's, it's a reality. It's we a have, reality. We have, to, we have to admit. You have to consider it. And so when 
when you know so i think it's important that churches value the positions on their team they value youth ministry they hire it at full time and they do that that helps too when there's the job pool that we have right now i think the pendulum will eventually kind of kind of swing back but i think we have to do a better job as a church at talking about calling the ministry and and i'll i'll say this i'll say this because i think it's important to the conversation the amount of friends that i have that are unbelievable ministry leaders that are now real estate agents are doing something mm-hmm. else outside mm-hmm. of ministry as in oh, my oh. season of life, which I'm 42 in my season of life blows my mind. Right. And I know what happened because I know I, I've worked where they've worked. I know what happened. They just got to a place and they're like, dude, I just am sacrificing. I can't feed my family. And I'll say this about, I'm talking about money. So I'm gonna stay on the soapbox of it for a minute. There is not a scripture in the Bible that talks about or says anything about a pastor making too much, but there is about them making too little. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, don't muzzle the ox while you're treading the grain. That's right. You know what I'm saying? For those that are in ministry, those that are preaching the gospel are worthy of double honor. Every major commentator anywhere says that that is talking about financial uh, remuneration, like mm-hmm. financial compensation for that for that particular individual. What I'm saying is a lot of times we live in a culture now where people will throw stones at the pastor who, you know, has a jet and has all this money, you know, whatever, you know, the they, one whatever, in a billion. The, right. They're, they're, the, they're the 1% of the 1%, but they don't say a word to the 50% of pastors that could take food stamps right now because of how That's little right. they're making. And to me, there's a there's a level of hypocrisy in that that uh, that's got to change. But our churches have to take care of their pastors better. We have to elevate not just youth ministry, but children's ministry and other mm-hmm. ministries mm-hmm. of the church that are really important and significant to our churches. Right. We have to do a better job at calling in ministry. And then once students feel called into ministry, we have to do a better job at helping them take that next step and getting to our Christian colleges and getting to places mm-hmm. where they get training mm-hmm. for ministry and give a message that is counter to this message, trying to talk them out of ministry. Yeah. This is a quick wrap-up question, but we just had a person on just a little bit ago talking about how their church has had incredible growth because, in large part, to a healthy youth ministry. In your research, are you seeing that as well, that, that churches that have healthy youth ministry are churches that are growing and doing incredible ministry within their community in all areas? A hundred percent. I have... Once a month, someone come up to me in the church that I'm at right now, and they say to me, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. Actually, we just started attending church here. Our daughter's been coming to student ministry here for the last, you know, three months and mm-hmm. been telling us about it. You know, we've been on a church since COVID, and mm-hmm. we hadn't been going anywhere. And she's like, and she, and dude, our daughter's brought us back, man. She's just been a spiritual leader awesome. in our home. But I would say, uh, yes, so for sure, I would also say that um, as a parent— because I'm, you know, I'm a parent. Yes, you are. When I choose a church that I'm going to go to, and this is real to me, because the church that I work at right now, I wasn't going to their church. I was going to a different church, and they said, hey, would you be willing to come in a couple years ago? And here's what I said to them. I said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come and attend your church for eight weeks, and I'm going to see how my family connects here. And I'm going to tell you right now, had my kids not connected there, had they not had such strong children's ministry for my kids, I would not be going there. Mm-hmm. And I think that parents and families are looking families for are churches looking for that, that are going time. to encourage their students and their children. 
And if your church doesn't value that, that is a hindrance to the growth of that church. To passionately follow Jesus Christ. That's right. And, and our churches have to put the emphasis on it. And I don't know how many times I think, I mean, this conversation, there's so many different areas of life and people who diminish this call to youth ministry. The parents do. We've talked about that. Senior pastors do. We've talked about that. Board and churches in, in terms of um, how they pay youth pastors, they diminish it. When you get five years into it, oh, it's time for you to move on to a different staff position. Exactly. I mean, everywhere along the way, we diminish this role of a youth pastor, and yet it is in this space and time of children's ministry, of youth ministry, when people make their decisions for Jesus Christ, and they are being discipled and launched into ministry, and they're making all these monumental decisions about life, period. Yeah. Okay? Their spouse, their uh, job, uh, their profession— uh, how they're being discipled and following Jesus for the rest of their lives. All of this is happening within this space, and we constantly diminish the role of the youth pastor and through the level of pay. And yet, the youth pastor is the only person on staff who does everything that the church does. That's right. Leads small groups. That's right. Manages volunteers. That's right. Manages a budget and does accounting stuff. That's right. Uh, preaches every week. That's right. Does this does the small groups does like evangelism does disciples does event planning does Camps. I mean it does everything the church does that's and right yet we continue to diminish the the, the the position of youth pastor oh yeah and let me let me say this real quick I know I know we're about out of time here let me say this I think this is important also there are people that God calls in the youth ministry or they're in youth ministry for a season and God calls them to be senior pastors or whatever. You know, I'm meeting with the president of Indiana Wesleyan University today. He says to me, he started out as a, as a youth pastor. He was a youth pastor, right? Mm -hmm. The dean of the School of Divinity at Liberty University right now was a youth pastor mm -hmm. for years. His, his degree is youth ministry. Youth ministry is not a—a a youth ministry degree doesn't hurt you for any other yeah, position in right. the future. But the youth ministry degree is, is important for it. But I'd also say, like, you know, youth ministry— us feeding churches with youth pastors is also feeding our churches with future senior pastors, mm -hmm. associate, and yes. all that type of stuff, executive pastors and all that, right? A lot of people cut their teeth in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And so us having this problem with less and less people going into youth ministry isn't just hurting youth ministry. Exactly. It's hurting 20, 30 years down the road of the senior pastors or the presidents of our universities or things like that. That's right. right. So, Derek. It has Thank been you. so good, bro. So good. So good to get. And it's, I look forward to using your research in class this fall. Yeah. Amen. And if people want to dig into it, is there a way or, is there a space or where could they get a hold of this? Do they email you privately or, or is it published? Yes, I can. You, yes, published. You can, uh, you can email me or, um, you know, I can have you guys email Charlie or, you know, uh, can we put it in the show notes. Yeah, you can put it in the show notes and I can put the link in there Yeah, and you can go to it. You could see all the history of all the statistical data Great. of where it comes from and where, you know, and you can also see, uh, you know, my data, uh, Shields's data. It's all in there. Yeah. It's great, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. Thank you guys. Boom. Boom. And boom. We would like to thank the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Western University for allowing us to use their podcast studio and their facilities. I also want to thank the Called Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Called Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at the Called Collective. 
Once again, thank you for listening to a couple of old guys talking about ministry principles. We have over 70 years of ministry experience, and we'll see you next week.